sometimes when I swing at that ball, man, I, I don't know what I'm doing. And like my feet end up. I, I have... So wait, wait, wait. Hold on, hold on. I need you to pause right there. We're making a golf <laughs> podcast and you just openly admitted that you're swinging at the ball and have no idea what's going on. I make a swing and it's good. I'm like, whew, I'm surprised I went straight. <laughs> hey, everybody. Welcome back to Unforgettable Golf. As always, I'm Brad. Here with me today, as always, is Zach. Say hello. Yo, what's happening, guys? So we got a great episode planned for you guys today. We're going to go over a couple different topics. We got some rounds that Zach and I played. We'll give you an update on that. We are on social media now. So if you want even more content from us, we have that. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit about golf and growing up and how we play golf, rules, etiquette, and we might even drop a little bit of a teaser for the next episode at the end. So Zach, you want to start us off with some of your golf round updates? Yeah, I actually had a uh, decent weekend of playing golf. I had some family in town that, you know, they, when they come in, we make sure we make time to golf. And then I had an uncle that went golfing with me that hadn't picked up the clubs for 11 years and decided he was going to go. And that made things interesting. It was always fun to golf with someone who's pretty much brand new. And, um, you know, for a minute there, I was messaging you. I was on Breaking 90 Watch, you know, first time since the first episode came out, I thought I was going to do it, right? Yeah. So you you texted me front nine forty two, right? Yeah. And like, I was giving you little updates here and there. I mean, I've, I was feeling really good, you know, but unfortunately the the back nine ate me up and I didn't get it, but, uh, I learned something, you know, I usually do not drink anything when I'm golfing and having an uncle there that doesn't usually golf. He was there to drink and I ended up drinking with him and I threw away my breaking 90, but all in all, it was a fun round. Um, I had a, on hole four, I had which four lucky hole, I guess for me, <laughs> um, hole four, I had a, it was a par five, my third shot in, I literally rolled it right past the hole. I had like 155 yards to the pin or whatever. And it hit right before rolled right past it. I was super pumped getting ready to put my birdie putt in my dad. When you say, when you say rolled right past it, like it had a chance to go in for Eagle. Like yeah. Like, so edge. like my divot was right in front of the hole. And it rolled up past and it actually settled in behind, like three feet behind the hole. So obviously when you're 150 yards out, don't know about your eyes, but mine aren't that great. When I was oh, looking at it. You never know. Sometimes you're like, oh, yeah. that's within two feet. You walk up and it's 35 feet away. And you're like, well, yeah. never mind. <laughs> and that's the thing. That's what I was super pumped at first. I was sitting there actually like fist pumping the air when it went. I was like, oh, dude, this is crazy. And then even my brother says like, well. It looks close, but we're not sure yet. You know, let's get up there and see. But it was, I mean, my divot and where it would have rolled, it would have rolled right past the hole and it was three feet to it. But then my dad's approach shot, he has a 40 foot putt and he's telling me, you're in my line, you're in my line. So just put it in. I get up there. I do this stupid lean with the putter. And I'll, I'll so you're on, you're on one foot kind yeah, of confidently. His line. Yeah. I am feeling good. I missed my birdie putt. Then I was just so, I was mad. I How bad did you in. miss it? Like I literally like it. It burnt the edge of the the cup and ended up back. And I have like a little tapping for par. 
and I'm so flustered and angry. I missed the tap in for par. So I just took that ball and, and shucked it. It was bad luck. <laughs> but, you know, and I did all that for my dad to still leave the putt 20 feet short. He didn't even give it enough to get down there. So that's what, yeah, that's golf for you. But, and then what even funnier on that hole is I'm sitting in the cart waiting for my uncle because we're 15 minutes on the hole and he's finally hitting the green. And I, I, I'm telling you right now, like I looked back there and I asked my brother, I said, what the heck is he doing? Like he's taking like, Looks like he's taking practice swings, but I know you can hear contact with the ball. He gets up. He goes, this is for par. And I'm like, I counted like 10 strokes back there. How is he hitting this for par? And then I go, yeah, what the heck? Like, how the heck are you shooting for par? He's like, oh, I was playing two balls down the fairway, taking the best one. <laughs> Unlimited I, mulligans. Yeah, I was like, well, how's that fair, you know? I was having a little competition with them. I didn't know we were allowed to hit two balls down the fairway the whole time. I would have been doing that too. I definitely would have birdie dicks. I would have taken a mulligan on my birdie putt, you know, but all in all, it was a good round. I ended up shooting a 91. Like I said, if I wouldn't have drinking any beer, I probably would have broke the 90, but save it for another week. You know, I'll keep on trying, keep on practicing and you know, I'm going to get there. The game's feeling pretty good for me. Yeah. It's almost good. You didn't, it'd be unbelievable if our second week of recording a podcast after I mean, never breaking it, 90, you break it. That's, <laughs> Yeah, it would have been almost like we lied about my golfing, you know, <laughs> but it would definitely have been an unforgettable moment. That's for sure. And it still will be. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're close. I know you're close because you had, okay, so that was a 92, 91? Yeah, I shot a 91. Yeah. Okay. And then you played a couple more times since then and both times you've shot right around that, right? Yeah. So pretty much I'm consistent. I'm on the verge of, I think when I break it, it's going to be like, not going to just be like an 89 i'm thinking it's going to be like an 84 85 because some of the mistakes i'm making are just like not taking my time reading the putt correctly or the chip shot going in you know or my approach shot i'm not really i'm more nervous about just making sure i hit the ball rather than aiming if i would aim myself correctly get it closer in the green i think i'd be way playing way way better but those are things i just like trying to work on the whole time i'm amateur right no it's funny that you say that too because i just i played a couple of rounds as you know and my buddy one thing that was funny is there's this par three and you got to walk way out to the tee box the cart and the tee box are like as far as the hole to the tee box right yeah so you're and out so, of breath when you get there <laughs> <laughs> i wasn't okay it's a flat surface all right oh. calm down <laughs> If it's uphill, then yeah, by the time I'm out of, then I'm out of breath. No, but he walks over there and he, he's like, we're walking. He, we both hit shots. I hit a good shot. He hit one that was, meh, it was okay. And I was like, what happened? Cause he was frustrated. And he's like, I knew it was the wrong club and I didn't walk back and get the right club. And wow. he's like, and it's going to cost me three strokes. And I was like, so you being lazy you walked up and knew it was the wrong club and he's like yeah so it's just Actually, stupid things like that i think we do it's funny you say that because i find myself doing that now too now that i'm loving the 60 degree i tend to be using that club when i shouldn't be using it like um on certain you know how we talked about before like it's nice to have that club working for you when you need to get over over you know a bunker or something that's in your way or, you know, you need to put it close and you, know, you need just like a little chip on, but there's times where I should, probably should be using like a sand wedge or something 
and doing a little bit more of a bump and run rather than trying to be fancy and put it close to the pin because I'm noticing more and more that like if I would actually like use all of my shots, use a bump and run and use the 60, I'd probably actually break 90, but now I'm just sitting there so focused on the 60 because I'm having fun with it, right? But I guess that's part of the game too. I'm enjoying using the club, but there's a point in time where you actually pick the right thing. And then I've had that situation too, where you're with your golf partner, you pick out a seven iron, you realize, oh, this is only 140 yards to the pin. You know, where's my nine or where's my pitching wedge? And they're already gone. So you're just like, well... Yeah, they drove nice, up, seven. They yeah. drove up to theirs, right? And you're yeah. you're like, this is not the club I need. I can hit this 120 yards. And you either top it and it goes 50 or you flush it and it flies 175. Yep. That's that's yeah, that happens to me too often because I'm too lazy to walk up to the cart and grab a new club. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we've learned not to be lazy and not to drink during golf because we just we do those things and it cost us strokes. Yeah. So, but otherwise, I mean, for your golf, you're feeling good about your game. Yeah. Overall, I think I'm, I'm on the verge of breaking 90 and I'm feeling good about it. I think I'm, I'm just right there. Cool. Well, hopefully next week we'll get a report from you or maybe multiple and you'll have broken it. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> um, I know I was messaging you about mine. And I posted a picture on the Instagram. I feel really good about my game right now. And I'm not sure whether I should or not. I don't know if it's like hopeless optimism and wanting to get better or if I actually am. But I hit shots that just it's like the exact shot I see in my mind, the exact shot I tell my playing partner I'm going to hit. And I'm still not putting up great scores. Um we went to a par three, par four course with my parents. I almost hole in one the first hole. And I texted you that and I was yeah. on fire. I went birdie, par, par. And it was just like baby draw, baby draw, baby draw right at the flag. Tap and birdie, two putt, two putt. And then like the fourth or fifth hole, I text you. I'm done. I'm done with golf. <laughs> I double bogeyed both. And I was like, well, there goes the round and I can't golf anymore. But I mean, other than just my own frustrations with golf, I I don't know. I really don't whether I should be as optimistic as I am about my game. Because I feel like I'm one, just something clicking away from being really, really good golfer. So we'll see. We'll see over the course how that goes. Every time I start feeling that way. I get up to a tee box on a par three and that changes my complete mind. You know, this week, actually, <laughs> I got up on a hole on a par three. There's a little bit of water there and I'm like, all right, I'm going to get a pitching wedge and make sure I get over this water. If Even if I go a little long, I'll be okay. And uh, I looked up, looked back down, got myself all positioned right. I take the swing and I tell you what. I can't even tell you that this thing was a beaver tail because that'd be a lie. It was a whole freaking island like this. I don't know how it happened, <laughs> but when I chunk this thing, so I mean, we have, we're talking. We have a whole beaver community now, oh, not 100%. just one beaver tail. <laughs> I got a whole family living on this thing too because it was the size of a dinner plate. And the, the best part is when I walked up to go pick it up to replace it back in the tea box, 
my tea was still sticking in the dang thing untouched. I was like, well, you were just leaving that for them so that they could, you know, eat, eat away at it and then yeah. <laughs> fall it over. But at this point in time, I mean, that's, that's going to be my MO. I mean, yeah, we're going to, we're going to come up with a uh, Zach. We need a, we need a beaver report from you. We're going to have a little, <laughs> I don't know what they sound like, like a little and some wood noises falling in the, like a tree falling in the background or something. And time for yeah. Zach's beaver report. And I, I probably will have one every single week because every time <laughs> I play, I have that one shot that I just chunk the living crap out of it. And it's just like, oh my goodness, what the heck? Do you is know why on? you're doing it? Like, are you, you know, getting fast like, in the downswing? Are you not getting your weight forward? Do you, do you feel anything different or? Yeah. So like, this is what my, obviously it's hard to tell you exactly. Cause I'm amateur still, you know, this too, like it's hard to say what you're doing. And if I was a video, it, what I think it would be is probably completely different. Right. But every single time, like, I'm not going to use the normal golfing excuse when you hit a bad shot. Oh, I lift my head up, you know, because like I have enough form now to where lifting my head doesn't affect it too, too much. Obviously I can still shank stuff or whatever, you know, lose. But I really well, I think, think it's, lifting your head, that's going to tend to top it. Not. Yeah. So what I think is really happening is I'm, I'm getting a little bit too loose with like, I'm swaying almost like a baseball mm. swing and through. And when you're doing that and you're coming down to the ball and if you sway forward just a bit, that tends to just like drive the club into the ground. And I really think that's what's happening because I've been fighting that baseball swing. So you, so long. do you think in your movement that instead of rotating, when you do that, you're swaying backwards. Yeah. And then on I think your that's way what's down, happening. you're trying to sway forward to get back to where you need to be to hit a good shot. Yep. I a hundred percent. I think that's what it is. Cause every time I chunk the ball, I feel a little bit like I call it feeling a little too loose with my swing simply because I got way too much movement going on instead of like rotating through the swing and getting a nice little pop of my hips, my hips are like coming back and then flowing forward. Like I would, if I was moving up to swing at a baseball, you're hula dancing on Beaver Island right now, then. Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We've got a five-star resort on there. Yeah. (laughs) yeah we got a five star five star resort they serve all kind of everything you can think of you know we got the small sticks big sticks maybe a little bit of stumps in there you know nice everybody's nice. enjoying it all the beavers are happy yeah yeah i'm i'm, I'm the groundskeeper there. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh well i just we just found our mascot oh 100 if this ever takes off guys just wait there's going to be shirts they're going to be you know I don't know what we'll name the beaver, but he's going to have a big old tail <laughs> and he's going to be living on Beaver Island. And I think it's a T in the middle, right? The T is going to be like his little house back there, you know, okay. and it's going right. to look like a chunk dinner plate size of an island, Okay, you know, with like in the background, the T is going to be like a little house. I think it'll be fun. I like it. I like it a lot, <laughs> but pretty much like with everything um, brings up like a little thing there. Like, I really wanted to hit that shot again. You know, mm-hmm. and everybody was telling me, like, just take a mulligan, take a mulligan, hit it again. It shouldn't happen. And I was like, okay, yeah, I'll do it again. Actually, I didn't tell you this because I was like, all right, yeah, you know, I've had a bad back nine. I will take a mulligan. It's my first of the day, whatever. I'll take it. And I tee back up. I just chunked my club again. <laughs> <was in> <laughs> this time it just like 
you ever like you know it just looked like a chunk of skin that just like <laughs> flapped over this time it didn't go flying nowhere the ball didn't even make it off the tee box i said forget it just forget Ooh. it and then i just ended up you know that whole i think a par three I ended up taking like a seven on it because it just this was not in like i wasn't feeling right nothing felt right with it and uh that brings up the a point for me like when you're golfing, what what's what's your rules? What's your like? How many mulligans do you allow yourself to take, honestly? And like, if you hit a good like, a good drive, like I had one where I hit a beautiful drive, and it hit the fairway, but it must have hit like a sprinkler head or something, and it took a it just hit and it took a shank to the like the right, and then it ended up bouncing up in the woods, couldn't find the ball. Me personally, like my group of players, they left. They were like, well, you know, you knew it landed here, you know, take a drop, don't take a penalty. Now, like to me, sometimes like if you did that too much, then are you truly golfing a 90? But like certain aspects of the game too, I feel like I'm not a professional. And I don't have people stand out in the course to find my ball for me. So trying right. to keep pace of play up. So I didn't know what your feelings are on that kind of stuff. Yeah, this is a tricky one. And, and if people end up listening to this, we could get in trouble for all the things I'm probably about to say. But <laughs> I tend to be a bit more strict. Um, and basically that's just because the best golfer that I golf with is strict, Yeah, but it's because he's good that he's strict. Um, for example, there'll be a couple times when I'm playing a, a bad round with him and he'll say, that's a gimme. And I know it's not a gimme and he knows it's not a gimme, but his rules are less harsh for me. Right. Yeah. But I mean, as far as mulligans and stuff, um, I usually don't take them without it's a penalty, right? Um, I will say that breakfast ball is allowable. Not all the time, but if you get to the rent, if you get to the course, you're coming in hot, you know, you you were, didn't have time to get to the range. You didn't have time to roll putts and you just like, let's not destroy the next four hours on the first shot. Yeah. Um, What else? Um, Gimme's, I'm I'm pretty. We play kind of like if it's birdie or par, you're putting it in. Anything after that is kind of, you know, the worse the score is, the bigger the gimme ring is. Yeah. Um. I mean, and of course, if it is a couple of inches for birdie or for par, and I mean, it, like to the point where you would have to hit the thing ninety degrees the opposite way, you would have to shank a putter. Then yeah, that's a gimme too. But I mean, if it's within gimme range for a birdie, you're still putting it. Yeah. Um, and then usually we'll give you the par or, well, here, here's a question for you. If you have somebody, let's say they're like a foot and a half. Okay. Mm-hmm. And you tell them that's a gimme, mm-hmm. but they walk up to the ball and like, no, I got to put this in and they miss it. Do you still give them the give me? No. Or do you go? No, no they, that's they chose stroke. to put it. I mean, they chose to take that shot. I gave See, you that's how shot. I feel too. Some people yeah. If like, somebody says, <laughs> no, if somebody says it's a gimme, you pick that ball up. Yeah, and you walk away because the second you touch it, that's a stroke. And if you don't make it, then you better you better count that two putt or whatever yeah. it ends up being. Um, what about you? You you kind of feel the same way? I do feel the same way, especially lately. Like I used to be really lackadaisical with like how many game like uh, mulligans I'd be taking. You know, the breakfast ball. I usually the first tee. I'm always a little nervous on the first tee box. I think it's because it's always right next to the clubhouse. There's usually people standing there waiting. So it's like, for me, 
I do appreciate the breakfast ball because like the first one's usually not a great shot for me. The second one, if the second one is what it is. One thing I do is uh, lately I've been doing is taking a provisional shot if I don't think my first one was good. But the provisional. Oh, yeah. All day long provisional. Yeah. So like I used to never do that. I would just take a mulligan and hit. Right. But if the first one's playable, I play that one. If it's not, I'm on hit three off my shot. Right. And that's basically what I end up doing. But um, when I play with a group of four, um, we've been playing at least with, with the better golfers. My dad is different story. He uses about seven mulligans a hole. <laughs> but in, in fairness, <laughs> he's practiced playing not that good, right? Pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. Like my dad's been golfing for 25 years and never really like tried to get good he's just out there for a good time right well when you say golfing for 25 years i assume you don't mean golfing once a week for 25 years you mean golfing no. three or four times a year yeah for 25 so years basically he didn't start golfing like once a week until like me and my brother picked up golfing and then it was like something he could come and do with us right so for the last probably like two or three years he's been golfing maybe once a week and he's gotten better like he's actually striking the ball better but before that, you know, he might, when we go on vacation to the beach or go camping, he'd take his clubs and go golfing with the family. And that might happen once or twice a year. Right. Right. So, but like, it's exciting to see him kind of develop and become a better golfer. I mean, he's in his fifties now and it's kind of cool because he's enjoying the game, but. Well, and he's getting then, to spend time with you and your brother. Yeah. But then again, like he does take seven mulligans a hole. I'm not exaggerating. Off the tee box, it might be three or four drives he takes, and then he ends up taking his best drive at 150 yards. So it's like <laughs> so before we before we start attacking him any further, is he gonna be listening to this? Oh, 100 percent He'll probably he'll probably text me and be like, you <laughs> <laughs> but okay. he knows it. I always tell him, like, hey, like when he'd be like, This is for par, I'd be like, Is it really? Uh, did you count those like 10 strokes back there? He's like, Well, so those are my mulligans. So I guess here's the big question for me then. At the end of the day, let's say you guys score the same or he scores better than you. Yeah. Does it bother you when he's like, I beat you? No, because here's the thing. My dad's never beat me. Right? <laughs> he's never beat me. Usually with if all we the have him, If we have him on this podcast, is he going to agree with that? Yeah, he'll agree with it because my dad's even told me, he's like, man, I wish I was golfing in the 90s. He Even with all the mulligans and stuff he takes, he... He'll golf like, you know, the 110, 105. And like, he's just happy to be out there. Like at the end of the day, he'll be like, what do I shoot? And they tell him, he's like, yep, that sounds like me. And like, he just <laughs> enjoys I, it. So it's kind of, it's good. Yeah. He's probably living his best golf life then. I mean, even better yeah. than us when we're out there frustrated and wanting to throw clubs and break up. And he's just out there to spend time with his boys and have a good time. Right. Yeah, that's pretty much what it is. So when he takes like four shots off the tee box, I'm not going to sit there and be like, hey, you got to count those. For me, if I take any extra shots, I'm, I'm counting them, right? Even if I end up duffing a ball, he has a rule that if it doesn't go further than three feet off your shot, it doesn't count. I count. If I, if I end up like topping a ball and driving it <laughs> two inches in front of me, that was a stroke, you know? Right. Well, and to it, at some point, it's like the rules get more – strict because they have to because otherwise you're not really improving right if you're shooting a 90 but you have 10 mulligans you're not really shooting a 90 yeah 
So for you to get better, you have to get more strict. So one of the things that you said earlier was like your group, everybody knows the ball went here, but you can't find it. So me and my friends, uh, it kind of depends who I'm with, how they feel, depends on a whole bunch of things. We'll play what we call the gallery rule, which is if everybody agrees that your ball should have been right here and you can't find it, free drop. And the reason behind it is, like you said, we don't have 100 people watching where the ball bounced and we don't have the little guy, the volunteer that runs out there and puts the white flag in the rough. Yeah. So in order to offset that and all the cameras, that's what we do. Um, Not all the time, but if everybody's getting that rule, it's kind of just an amateur rule. It's it's fair for us, whether people like that or not, whatever. Cause there, there's a course near me that even if you hit it in the fairway, there's, there's a chance you lose a ball. The course is very wavy. Um, you're hitting in blind fairways. Like you hit out and then you can't see over top the fairway, 50 yards out. And like, you'll be like, okay, I just hit that 280 yards center of the fairway. You get down there and it's nowhere to be found. It's like, what in the world? And you know, Hey, I saw it hit this hill. It took a bounce, but just drop it here at the top of the hill. Don't kind of stroke like, okay. But here's my question. You take your second shot off your drop that no one's counting now, right? And you drive up 20 yards and go, oh, there's my ball. Do you hit that as your second shot or do you pick it up and just play? I think that's between you and your playing partner. I I think realistically, yeah, you you play your first ball if you can. Yeah, because I've done that before. Actually, that happened in my round of golf last week on hole 17 at the course I was playing is a big dog, right? Dog leg, right? It literally is 90 degrees and you have to carry the ball about 300 yards, like 290, 300 to get around the corner. Well, I only carried mine like 260. I had like a bad drive and I was like, man, what? I got to go through the trees. And I'm like, well, I'm just going to grab the seven iron, say a little prayer and hope it makes it, you know? And I just cranked one. You hear it hitting leaves, never hear a hard, like that big knock. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I blew through. I definitely blew through. But I'm sitting in my head thinking all these leaves had to slow it down. So I just made it out into the rough. And I drive up. Me and my brother are looking. Cannot find it. I said, well, we kind of figure. He's like, it had to have dropped here. Just go ahead and take your drop. I said, okay. Hit it. End up putting it over the green. I'm mad at myself. I get up towards the green, about 20 yards from the green. And there's the ball that I hit through the woods. And I'm like. Well, I screwed up the other shot. Let's take this one. Wasn't any better. You know, I hit, <laughs> I pulled out the 60, thinned it, hit the tree behind the green, and it went down. I said, well, it, that is what it is. That's that's what it is. You know, I was yeah. not meant to hit a good shot. Yeah. And and it for me, it's like we're amateurs, right? Yeah. If we haven't made that clear, we are amateurs. I don't know how many more times we could say that, but <laughs> um, we change the rules in all types of sports. We play basketball. We play ones and twos, you know, no yeah. backcourt violation. Um, you know, we play flag football and, you know, the quarterback has seven seconds. Why? Why are we doing all that? Why are we changing all these rules? Because we're not professionals. We're out there yeah. to have a good time, to play a sport we love, to hang out with some friends. Now I get that as you get better, yeah, maybe you're not taking that second ball. Because in theory, the second you play another ball, right, then... Is it really a true, true right. score then? Yeah. But at the same time, like, 
you know, going back to the PGA, we don't have the spotters. We don't have the TV cameras. We don't have, and where you're at, you could end up under a leaf and you'd never find it, especially yeah. in fall golf. Yeah. You might and then, never find that ball. Yeah. And then some of the courses around here too, there's not very much uh, leeway between the rough and then like knee high grass. Right. <laughs> so it's like, and the knee high grass isn't worked as out of bounds. The out of bounds line will be like another 10 feet over. And they, in tournament style, if you find your ball in that, you're playing it out of there. A lot of seen a lot of guys do it. So it's like around here, especially during fall time, even if you use a white ball, I've seen guys use red balls in fall time. And that's a massive mistake because you got red and orange, yellow leaves laying everywhere. They never find their balls, but it's like, um, it's just sometimes the roughs too, they're super thick. And because we're not hitting fairways all the time, um, it gets hard to find that ball, especially if it just plugged itself after a rainy day in the rough, you may never find that thing again, you know? So I agree with you. Like as we get better, the rules will change. Cause basically, cause we'll be hitting better shots too, but how in the world can you expect an amateur to play the same exact roles as somebody who's golfing, you know, minus five, minus six, every single round, you know? Well, I just think about like, watching some of these guys call out the rule official um and the rule official's answer is like that makes no sense to anybody that has any sort of thinking ability or common sense and i get that that is you know that's the decision by the rules official we're not playing for millions of dollars we're playing to have fun so there are certain things and I don't know how much more rules we want to go over, but I think we're kind of both on the same page, similar style. Um, You know, and there's so many different types of golf you could play. You could play stroke play, match play, skins. I mean, then the list just goes on and on and on and on. And even for amateurs, there's handicap scoring. So there's a lot of different ways to make golf really fun. And I don't mind adjusting a little bit of the rules sometimes. Yeah, for sure. And also, too, if anybody ever wants any lessons on how to uh, take big old divots, I'm here. You know, that's a, that's one thing I think they need to put on the rule book. If you hit a divot that's longer than a foot long, it's an automatically hole one or something, you know, because it's hard to do. You know, if you can build a whole beaver community with <laughs> one swing of your club, you get to knock off one stroke. I mean, I'll take that because I do that every round. <laughs> What I'm going to start doing too is I'm going to start taking pictures of some of these things and posting them. And I'm going to have a whole file on Instagram or TikTok or something of, uh, you know, the beaver files, you know, and we're going to have a big old conspiracy the on beaver how- tails, the beaver tails. There we go. Yeah. I, yep. I think that's what we're going to do, you know, and they're going to have, we're going to rate them, you know, one through 10 and then we'll have, you know, beaver islands that are rated. <laughs> <laughs> It, it, you know what though it did pop in a, uh an idea into my head if we end up doing this golf trip and we end up coming up with some sort of trophy we should do like a fake patch of grass cut out into one of these beaver tail shapes that you've taken and that'll be <laughs> like the trophy that somebody gets to walk awesome. away with that would be awesome but uh when it comes to the, the course brad like how do, how do you dress for the course coming into it because I've seen some pretty crazy things out there lately. <laughs> some guys, especially around here. I mean, you want to tell us what you've seen and then I'll go into. Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you like, uh, 
you know, I've seen some guys. Actually, I probably shouldn't. It might get myself canceled. We'll, we'll skip that part. But I've seen some guys like, you know, show up in jeans and tennis shoes with, you know, a hoodie. And um, I've seen guys, you know, wear things like, you know, athletic pants with, you know, a T-shirt. And then you have your older guys that are showing up with a button down shirt tucked in with, you know, their slacks on and, you know, dress shoes almost like the golf. Mm-hmm. And like for me, you know, I usually wear a polo or I do wear a button down shirt and then I just wear a nice pair of shorts with my golf shoes and uh, try to keep the etiquette as nice as possible, especially with some of the courses I'm playing. But I noticed a lot of courses too are kind of dropping a dress code. They're not really as strict, but I mean, sometimes you see guys out there full mullets, tank tops, you know, wearing like cargo shorts and they're shotgun and beers off the first day. Like, I think like, you know, John Daly kind of promoted some of that stuff, but yeah, it's like, you know, where is where's the line of etiquette for the, that? Like, for me, I, I don't care how you dress or what you do on the course as long as you're taking care of the course. And what I mean yeah. by that is wear your hoodie, wear your joggers, wear your jean shorts, wear your tank top. That's all fine with me. But are you repairing your ball marks on the green? Are you raking your bunkers? Are you fixing your divots? Um you know, are you keeping the carts off the greens and tee boxes? Cause I think that's way worse than in dressing a certain way. Yeah, um, I agree. I don't know if it's just people don't know because they're new to golf and learning, but I've seen a lot of carts on greens lately, like a surprising amount. I I've seen, I think there's is probably a part of the reason too, is uh like my wife asked if she can go golfing with me next time. She just wants to sit in the cart and read. Okay. She said, maybe, maybe she's like, maybe I can drive the cart. And instantly in my head, it popped in like, you know, my wife doesn't know what the golf etiquette is. Like I could see my wife when I'm up there getting ready to putt, the cart just come driving right past <laughs> me on the green. You know, I can see that happening. And it's like, what are you doing? Like, I was just coming to pick you up. Yeah. Like I can yeah. see stuff like that happening. You know, somebody is new. Like a lot of the courses I play anyways, they'll have like signs saying carts this way, you know, about 40 yards from the green. Right. You know, so that way they're not, you're not coming close there. Cause I think there are a lot of new people to golf and I do agree with you. You know, as long as they're fixing stuff, that's the one thing that, you know, sometimes when the divot's big enough, I'm able to find it and put it back. Sometimes my divots, you know, they end up exploding into a bunch of little pieces, but like, do you, do you carry sand with you to fix your divots? Is that something you do or no? Well, I mean, pretty much every course out here has carts that have a, a bottle of sand on it. So See, yeah. ours doesn't, ours don't have that around here. Really? They have a guy that drives around fixing that stuff. So that's what I was wondering. Like, you know, for the listeners, if you guys don't know, Brad lives out in California and I live in Pennsylvania. We've been friends for 10 years, but like the two different areas. Right. And I, I don't know why they don't do, because I've been seeing a lot of videos of people with the little cans of sand filling their divots. I'm just walking around the course trying to find a divot or my divot or somebody else's divot to fill mine. You know? <laughs> Are you like, you have a little sewing kit and like you stitch other people's divots together, like three oh. or four of them just to fix your one divot. <laughs> I mean, that's a good idea. I'm, I'm, I'm getting pretty good. I think somebody should hire me, you know, cause like when I take a divot out, you know, I can replace that thing and make it look like I never even was there, you know, even when they're massive, like a whole Island, that one on the T box, I put it back in there and I punched it around a little bit with my pitching wedge. You know, I pulled up some of the small little grass around it. And yeah, you could tell it was out, but you know, overall, I smoothed that thing out nice. Some would probably actually, some I probably already had done that before, and I just didn't <laughs> take the same one out. 
Oh man. I think kind of going back to to the etiquette question. Um yeah, let's get back on that. <laughs> get off Beaver Island, get on the etiquette train. Um the only other thing that really bothers me is slow play. I don't care how bad you are either. Yeah. I'll play with anybody. I played with people that have never swung a golf club before and I can have a great time. I do not like slow play. And the other day we played five and a half hour round. The group in front of us was three. They were never on the group in front of them. And we were on them every single shot. Now you can tell when somebody's good or not. And I'm not saying I'm a great golfer. Um, but I know enough to keep with the group in front of me, even yeah. if I say, okay, like I just going to hustle on this hole and it's going to cost me a couple of strokes. But um, yeah, three of them, they were dropping three or four balls every shot. And so they'd shank one left, they'd pull one right, they'd pull hook one to the left and then they'd go and pick them all up. And it was so frustrating because we would just sit in our cart what felt like 10 minutes every shot. And I don't know about you, but me and my buddy have played with a cart 18 in two hours. We can fly. So that's my biggest pet peeve when it comes to golf course, not taking care of it and not playing quick. You're describing, you know, your people. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Because, you know, my dad, he'll do that. And I, I like this week. Well, do you let people play through then? If there's guys behind you, okay, we will usually we're good. But like on Saturday when we golfed that course, it was packed. It was like five minutes, like everybody. And in front of us was a group of eight guys golfing together. And the course nowhere to go. Them to golf. Yeah, the the golf the course told them golf in two groups. But when you have a group of guys out there to golf, they're not going to golf in two groups. They all want to be together, right? So after their first tee box, they all waited at the second hole. They all teed off together. So it was backed up already. So if we let anybody play through, we would have been sitting there for 15, 20 right, minutes. Right. Because they got nowhere to go. So yeah. But when we had a chance to speed up, like I tell the whole group, like, hey, we got to pick up pace of play right now. Like, let's let's move. But even with golfing with five guys with the slower place to play, pace of play, we ended up uh still four and a half hours, five guys to golf 18. That's fine. Not bad. Four and a half hours is great. I mean, but I know I'm what totally you're saying. Cool with that. I know what you're saying. There's been times where it's just me and another guy golfing. And like you said, I'm by no means am I a good golfer, but when I'm hitting my drive down there and then when I think they're off the green and I come around the corner and they're still standing there and there's a guy still 40 yards back and he's hit six balls now trying to hit the green. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, guys, like, come on. So this group in front of us, they were doing this thing where not one of them was playing the right tee. So I guess that's another point of etiquette that bugs me. You had people playing the blues that never once hit their drive more than 150 yards. Yeah. Then they would wait for the green to clear from about 300 yards out. Yeah. So even on your best drive, you're not even carrying carrying it to the green. So why you on their best drive? Let's say they hit a bomb and let's say they hit it 200 yards. That's their drive. So are they really going to hit a three wood? that far no and you watch them and it would take them five more shots to get to the green meanwhile we're good enough that it's only taking us two shots to do what they're doing in six with multiple balls and they very easily could have sped up there was nobody in front of them 
they wouldn't let us play through. And it was just so frustrating. Yeah, I think that gets to the point, too. They were probably new as well and didn't know, you know, what the etiquette is. If you're going to be slow like that, let the group behind you play through, you know, especially if you guys are moving way quicker than what they are, you know. But as of that, I mean, we could sit here and complain all day about the slow people and the people like my group and the people like me. You know. I could sit here and complain about your dad and your uncle all day. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and I just want to put out there, too, Pete. You will never be better than me. I just want to let you know when you listen to this, Uh-oh. you are never going to be better than me. I'm, I'm going to beat you every time. You know, you might got, you might've got some new clubs, but you know, by the next time we golf together, I'll be golfing in the eighties and you'll still be sitting there in the nineties. Wow. Pete, if you're listening, I think that, uh, I think that like we need to get you and your uncle Pete and have some sort of like Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes style match. You know, oh, and, they, I win that every time. Come on. <laughs> okay. All right. Set up. Let's set it up. Let's set it up. No, but like this is kind of a little bit off topic. We didn't have this in our notes, but like to give my uncle some credit, like he was golfing with clubs from like 1980, right? And he bought like newer to him, you know, they're from like 2012. Um, he probably took 20 strokes off his game by just buying new clubs. 20? Like there's yeah, no lie. Like, and I don't know, his wife might what are these clubs? Because it. if I take 20 strokes off, I'm, I'm <laughs> close uh, to par. They're tailor made R7s, I believe. They're from 2011. But and then he has, I kid you not, when he showed up, he had three drivers in his bag and he teed off with every single one oh, of them. Oh, so that's the day. another rule we didn't talk about. Yeah. Like yeah, how many clubs you clubs. In the bag, right? Yeah. But like, um, I don't know if his wife will appreciate this or not, but he uh, was completely, completely gone by like hole 14. I He couldn't even stand up straight. Um, so that might be a reason why I won too, but I was drinking as well. But it was funny because coming off of hole 13, him and my other uncle were like, we drank so many beers. I don't even feel it. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> then they got to the tee box and they came and stand up straight. So it was like kind of funny. That's something I should have videoed because it was really funny watching him hit, but I wasn't any better. I was taking whole islands off the tee box. But um, when it comes down to it, yeah, he took 20 strokes off his game. He used to golf in the hundreds and then he shot a 90, 97, I think. But let's remember on hole four, he took about 20 strokes, but only he, he got, he got a bogey on it. Cause so, he, was so you know? he was learning his new clubs though. Right. That's, yeah, pretty yeah, much. Okay. And like, but you can tell he's striking it a lot better. I think if he does get more time now, he's very busy, you know, two kids, wife, work, everything. So he doesn't get to golf as often, but I'm going to plan a trip to go down to Maryland, golf with him again and golf one of his courses that he likes. So that way like we have a more fair round. And uh, that's a little teaser there too, because I'll make sure that, you know, I have my updates for that. And hopefully I'm way better by the time we get down there a month from now. It'd be pretty cool. So in a month, we're going to want to hear about Uncle Pete. Yeah. And the score. <laughs> yeah. And now, okay. yeah, putting it out here too will make me get down there, you know, sometimes. Yeah, make I'm... you get down there, maybe help you work on your game. Do you yeah. have anything you're going to be doing over the next couple of weeks? Um, I kind of talked a little bit about it. Like, I think I need to, uh, even though I love the 60 degree, you need to use an arsenal of shots. Don't just stick to that. Um, I need to like be a little bit more consistent, like with my swing. I, I've been slowing my back, like when I'm pulling back, 
like a little bit slower to get a nice tempo and then speeding up through instead of sometimes like my dad would make fun of me because I'd come, it looked like I'm, you know, I don't even know what I, you could call it, but I'd be coming like back so shot. fast. Yeah, pretty much. Like yeah. Pretty much like hockey, and, like, yeah. yeah. And then swinging through really quickly. And he's like, how are you holding under control? I said, I don't, man. I just, I just look at the ball and I'm just swinging it and hoping it goes straight, you know? But now that I'm like kind of controlling going back and then speeding up through, I'm getting a lot more control. So I'm going to keep on working on that. Um, you guys didn't get to know what I had in my bag prior, but I just got some new irons to me from an old friend of mine. Um, he got fitted clubs. He needed, he was like, Hey, you looking for a good set of irons? I said, yeah, but everybody's super expensive. I'm still an amateur. I'm still chunking stuff. So I don't want to go spend real big money on new stuff. Gave me a good deal on them. Um, I'm playing with those now. They're going to change my game a good bit. So I gotta get used to those. But yeah, I think uh, a little bit been uh, using the birdie balls in my backyard. I don't know if you've seen those, a little bit of a training aid. We'll talk more about training aids in another episode, but they, uh, they seem to be helping me out with striking a good bit, you know, getting the clubs like feeling better. And uh, I've been using some cheap foam balls that I bought at Walmart and just slamming them as hard as I can into my shed to pick up the speed. Right. Okay. And uh, I think with doing some of that, going to the chipping greens, hitting the driving range, and then just getting the rounds in, the more you play, the better you're going to get. Right. So like for me, I think that's the only thing I can do at this point in time. Like I've already changed my swing. I've changed my grip. I've changed a lot of stuff. Well, so, and you're, you're now a couple months into the season. You don't necessarily yeah. want to change your swing mid season for you. Yeah. And like, uh, we talked about this before, like me and you, I'm probably going to end up getting like a swing coach or something in the off season, this season, just to tweak my game and see what I'm doing wrong and become more of a consistent golfer. So, but that's, that's for a whole other episode talking about that kind of stuff but for right now i just gotta keep on playing you know can't let a week go by where i don't hit the clubs okay i like it yeah for me i i'm gonna hold it back i think our next episode we should talk about training aids Uh, i'm gonna work on an actual plan i'm gonna drop a bomb on you about what i'm gonna do and I'm going to be shooting consistently in the 80s by the end of the season. I guarantee it. Oh, I thought you were going to say by the end of the week. I was going to be like, oh, snap. That's a no, big commitment. No, I really <laughs> hope within the next three or four weeks to, to have at least one round in the 80s. That's my goal. Yeah. But no, I'm thinking end of your season. So what would that be? Probably like November. Okay. So October, November. by October, I will have regular rounds. In the eighties. I'm hoping to be there too, but you know, I'm a little bit, the consistency is a little off, but you know, I might end up getting an advantage too. Cause one thing I am going to do is uh, I have a cousin that's qualifying PGA, like minor stuff. And he's going to come and give me a couple lessons. So I might get a one up on you there. You know, maybe I'll get better than you. <laughs> well, if Tiger Woods is listening to this, I'm going to need, I'm going to need some golf lessons. Tiger, you don't want to put yourself through that, man. I've known Brad for a long time. <laughs> you don't want to do it, man. That's not fair. You can't just go out and get a cousin that's trying to qualify for the PGA and give him swing lessons to you. That feels like you're, cheating. You're putting him on Tiger's level. I'm just saying I got to one-up you. 
Yeah, t- Tiger could go some of these courses that are out here by my house and golf like a 40. And, <laughs> <laughs> and my cousin golfs like a scratch golf. I'm just looking to hit for tweak some of my swing and stuff, you know, get, get something else, you know, see what I'm doing wrong. You know, I think I'm moving my hips too much. That's why I'm chunking. Is that really the issue? Or am I just, you know, being stupid with the way I'm positioning? Am I standing too much on top of the ball? Am I standing too far away? You know, it's just things that I'm fixing every time I swing a club. But like I said in the first episode, sometimes I get up on top of that ball. I don't know that. I don't know what I'm doing. Heck, half the time, I, I and I kid you not, half the time when I make a swing and it's good, I'm like, whew, I'm surprised I went straight. <laughs> <laughs> I'm oh telling you, gosh. man. It, it's, and you can't tell me you don't feel the same way. Like, do you ever back off of a ball? Like, do you oh, get up there and you just feel uneasy? Yeah. I. So one of the things trying to get better is I back off. Anytime I feel it, I back off because for a long time, I wouldn't. And I'm just going to, nope, I'm going to muscle this ball. I got this. And watching professionals, they back off for any reason. A fly buzzes by the ball, they back off. The wind picks up, they back off. So I'm not going to get to that level, I don't think. But I... I backed off two or three times in this last round I played. Well, then I need to make that a goal of mine because I, I very, very, very rarely back off a ball. And it's kind of like what you said, like, I'm just going to muscle it. Even if it doesn't feel right, I'm just going to swing. But if I maybe step back, took a look at the ball, see where, how it's the lie is, then maybe I'm swinging a little bit better, but. So for me, for me, I back off in one case when my swing thoughts are going nuts in my head. Um, For me, I want to get up there. I can have as many thoughts as I want. Then I set mindless. That's the goal. So when I'm up there and I'm like, okay, light grip, pivot, uh, arm extension, hinge in the wrist, no flank. Nope. It's time to back off. You set your alignment, you pick your line, you pick your shot. And then, it's like, ready, go. No thinking. Because when is thinking going to help you? You know, they say the golf swing is like less than a second. Yeah. How much, how much are you going to be able to think and adjust in a second? Well, see, that's my problem with the baseball swing. Your hands are always moving. And in golf, your hands shouldn't be like your grip. You know, your grip uh, should never really be moving through your swing. And that was happened to me a lot last year. My uh, literally, my dad took a video. I don't know if he still has it. If he does, I'll put it up on the social. But oh, it's a simulator. I came back, and when you slow it down, my hand goes from being way it's supposed to be in a golf swing to I literally take it the whole way off and twist it, and then come through and smack the driver. And he was like, "I've never seen somebody with the dumbest swing in the world, but get the ball to go straight." I had no idea I was even doing it. Just mentally, my hands were just fixing themselves right it took so much for me to get that out of there now i have a normal golf grip that stays the whole way through and that got me a little bit more consistent so i guess this is definitely for another episode because we need to wrap this one up but how do you know what you're fixing you should be actually fixing how do you know that wasn't the the scheffler feet shuffle you know that's okay for him and i'm just i'm just saying that is for another episode in general like honestly i went one week and probably went to the driving range every single night, spent about $200 in balls and only hit my driver. And I was trying everything under the book, everything Rick Scheffler was telling me to do everything. (laughs) Rick Rick Shields. Rick Shields. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> hey, Rick Scheffler, if you're out there, man, you helped me. Even though you're not a real guy, maybe you're real, but no, it has to like, be a Rick Scheffler in the world. Probably, maybe maybe it's uh, Scheffler's dad. You know, Rick. yeah, his brother, maybe, maybe like brother Brooks Kepka and Chase Kepka. Maybe it's his younger brother. Yeah, maybe, but yeah, Rick Shells, whatever he was telling me to do, all this other stuff, and I went out there, was just trying it all. What was going to work? You know, I was loading up like DeChambeau does. That was not my swing. I was sitting there swinging it like, you know, swinging the ball at, like Rom hits it. That was not my swing. I had to find my own swing. And I did that with literally $200 in about 30 hours at a driving range. Once I figured it out, figured out where I'm putting on my toe, like for the front of the ball, how my stance is looking. And then everything was figured out there. And I adjusted my grip so much that I forgot how I was supposed to hold the club when I got to the course because I was trying to tender things. And I figured it out. Now everything seems to be working well until I get that swing coach. And then he tells me I'm doing everything wrong. Yeah. I was going to say that (laughs) might be a lesson too, for everybody that's just starting out for golf. Sometimes paying that initial 50, $75, $100 lesson. I mean, I wonder how much quicker you would have benefited from that versus spending a week on the range and $200 in range balls versus a probably would have benefited half hour, $50 lesson with a pro, you know? Yeah, probably a lot, especially if you're married. Your wife doesn't appreciate every time you get off work. You're just at the driving range for two hours. You know, she doesn't appreciate that. And you feel pretty sore. I mean, swinging the club as hard as you can over and over and over again. You know, that's probably why I have some tendonitis and stuff in my elbow. It's like, no, but it's all good. You know, we're good. Yeah, that probably is what causes the beaver tails, honestly. I don't know about that one. The beaver tails, that's just my thing. You know, I'm out here making making beaver families you know i love the beavers <laughs> with that this is unforgettable golf please tune in again next week it's <laughs> <laughs> both of us laughing so hard oh, we God. can't keep the show going oh, oh man yeah guys it was a this has been an interesting episode i'm glad if you listened to it you know you know follow us subscribe to us on instagram uh, there's going to be some TikToks going up. They're going to be pretty good. They'll be funny. And, uh, you know, it's been, it's been a privilege to talk to you guys. Brad has been fun. You know, let's, uh, let's go out there. Let's have good rounds of golf and drain them babies. Beaver Tales?